Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Nick Hare and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights, and this week we're discussing whether being professional means being boring. Chris, go for it. Why are we talking about this? So, yeah, we had a contact from a, uh, a long-time listener of ours uh, to discuss this topic about why um, professionalism seems to be synonymous with, with humorlessness. Uh, and it kind of rang a chord with us, so we, we thought we would uh, discuss it because we, we constantly have uh, debates with quite a small organisation ourselves um, about, you know, whether doing something is professional or not. And, and often... Uh, it does mean um, being a bit more being a bit more boring than uh, than we would have done and taking fewer fewer risks. Um, so yeah, it was just a, a topic that we thought was uh, was worth discussing. Okay, um, I mean, one thing that immediately springs to mind is I think as a professional, I'm probably a less interesting person than I am as a per- as, as an individual in my private life, in which I'm obviously fascinating. Um, yeah, and there's an element we all kind of uh curtail our behavior a little let's say or it's another version of ourselves yeah um but i mean where do we see this going what are we so there's the question does being professional mean being boring yes yeah yeah Uh, and i think ultimately we're trying to work out how you can be both professional and interesting is 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 where we're going chris chris hasn't cracked it yet but he's getting there yeah (laughs) <laughs> but but it does I, I mean at at the heart of it there seems to be you know or a particular um facet of this problem seems to be around humor right humor is the the one that gets people into trouble it's making an inappropriate joke in uh, at work that is the thing that is deemed unprofessional usually i mean there are other there are other examples like you know lateness and um kind of erratic behavior and so on but having having ketchup on your suit having ketchup on your suit yeah exactly uh, so other eccentricities but but one of the key ones seems to be like in order to maintain professionalism it is probably safest to just be humorless and and i wonder why that why that is isn't that a, a sad thing that that is yeah so i guess it's sort of you know any behavior that is non um uh it's kind of it's risk mitigation isn't it it's it is and yeah. and, and humor is all about risking and a little taking, bit. taking risks and you know it's it's been said that uh well i you know i mean my my personal sort of view on this is that that humor uh, is subversive generally. And so organisations and organisational structures that are trying to get us to conform to a particular set of standards and so on are concerned by by uh, humour that this might undermine the, the structure a little bit. I think there's, there's also some valid reasons why, uh, you know, uh, risky jokes are, are not a good idea in the workplace. But, but don't I, you think often that, you know, I, I feel like when someone does slightly a step over the mark, um, there is a, it's not like anyone's offended. What What's happening is that people are worried that other people are offended. It's almost like, you know, people think, well, um, th- this person doesn't know how you're meant to behave and people are on edge because of that. Yeah. Rather than rather than. Yeah. Moment. But it's yeah. not it's not so much that people I'd say that 99 percent of people 
in that situation who feel awkward don't feel awkward because that person has done something which bothers them they feel awkward because they're they're witnessing some kind of uh, you know, some kind, someone who doesn't quite know how to play by the rules, but um, that's right. But that boils down to this idea of subversion of of yeah, of possibly. Rules. I mean, I so I was looking. I I was interested in this, and obviously, once you start looking at things like what what professionalism is, you're into the whole world of LinkedIn think pieces and top ten ways to impress your boss and all that kind of thing. But the the actual, I mean, you know, profession. What is professionalism? Is essentially um, doing things that are going to accomplish what your job is. I mean, that's what it boils down to is, you know, uh, th- there are standards in a particular profession which are geared around the successful accomplishment of what that profession is there for. So, you know, the professional standards of medicine is to do with delivering uh, successful health outcomes for people, for example. That's, And then, uh, you know, the, the unprofessional behaviour falls below those standards. Now, those standards obviously are going to be different for every profession. If it's a very front-facing, people-oriented profession, then there's going to be a lot more concern about the impression you give and the kind of way you interact with people. Um, if you're a, uh, you know, a computer programmer, there's going to be a whole different set of standards which are going to be much less focused on whether you're wearing the right shoes and much more focused on whether your documentation is up to scratch and whether you're you know using efficient uh, code and all of that sort of thing so so i think you know let's start there that professionalism is intimately linked to the performance of some kind of role and then uh we can start to examine whether or not the things we think of intuitively as as you know professional behavior uh, actually support that or do it uh, also or potentially only look like they're supporting that okay one of the things that you mentioned there i don't know i don't i don't want to take us off on one but reminds me of wasn't there some kind some sort of space mission with a probe to mars or something and there was a bloke who an english bloke who became really famous in the media because he was um he was a scientist and you mean colin to, pillinger is that who it is yeah and the he had, guy, like, was, the hawaiian um, shirts and stuff well, he had he had long, sort of shaggy hair, yeah, 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 yeah and yeah. and big sideburns. Yeah, he was the guy in what was the beagle? Beagle, there we go. Yeah, it was the one that was going to go to Mars and land. It was basically inside a giant balloon. Instead of doing what the Amer- what the massively well funded uh, US uh, did, they which is basically have this incredible multi stage landing process with lots of jets and uh, shielding and stuff. We just basically put beagle inside a load of balloons, and we assumed that if when it bounced, it would be okay. And it wasn't okay. <laughs> but the point is, uh, the, uh, the interesting thing about... But I'm sure that wasn't because he had long sideburns. Oh, maybe it was. No, but but, but, I, but I think, interestingly, you say, you know, um, you talked about the programmers and not being, uh, you, you know, not being concerned about what kind of shoes they wear. But actually, I think these, these subcultures, so like, you know, um, a kind of... Um, either, a, a you know, whether it's a programmer wearing their... their airbird trainers or whether it's a, a nutty british scientist looking eccentric in hawaiian shirts with with sideboards uh sideburns he um sideboards is okay yeah People so call I, them I, think you, I think i think you can call <laughs> it's been a while that. since i heard but, that but yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go for I, it. I was, that was a bit of a bit of a flashback there to, <laughs> to the 90s but um yeah so uh, I, I think those kinds of conformities become just as much a um a signature of professionalism in those particular subcultures as wearing a suit and tie is in you know i don't know in in finance sales or something like that. yeah sales yeah exactly pick a really boring sounding so thing. yeah if you there's probably you know there are some some programmers out there who, who deeply want to 
turn up to work in a in a suit every day but have to you know wear scruffy jeans and and uh uh and crap t-shirts well we're 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 veered again as all as we often do into the world of signaling here signaling, it's yeah. clear that this is a, a we're talking about this issue of uh things that say making jokes has got nothing to do with your, whether or not you can accomplish your job as a doctor or a lawyer, right? Uh, mm. More or less. Um, but it, does it indicate something? Uh, is it important information that does shed light on that? Um, and so just actually something I think it's worth saying, slight detour into signalling. Uh, I think a lot of... Signalling has become very popular. It, it's discussed a lot now. I think people have sort of become more interested in cognitive psychology recently. Um and uh, but uh, signaling isn't it's not a psychological phenomenon it's not something that we just sort of realize humans do signaling is a, is a rational uh, optimal strategic response to certain situations where there's hidden information so you can you know you d- signaling falls out of game theory analysis of of strategic interactions it's not it's not like well we're humans and we've evolved to signal and that's an interesting fact about humans it's the other way around it's that signaling is a completely optimal way to behave under certain circumstances and and you know our, we have we have evolved to understand that and to behave accordingly even if it's not like cognitively transparent to us that that's why we're doing it and this is a classic situation where you have things uh, the the idea you know the worth of a signal whether a signal works is always based on there you know there are two types of people say there could be lots of types but let's just say there's two there's good people and there's bad people and um we uh, want to be able to tell the good people from the bad people but we can't see their how good they are uh, directly let's say so we're hiring someone you know we're hiring someone to be a coder or to be a uh, you know receptionist or something and um and we we want to know whether they're good in advance now we don't we can't monitor for them for 6 months and and assess how good they are at their job so we have to use we have to use signals and and the idea of the kinds of signals that are effective are the ones that are harder for bad people to pull off so punctuality is isn't a bad one um because uh you know actually it, someone who's generally pretty disorganized who comes to for a job as a receptionist um, and turns up late to the interview uh, it, or you know well it's basically sorry it's, it's harder for someone who's disorganized to be on time than it is mm. for someone who's organized it's just it's more expensive all around not financially necessarily but in terms of um, you know the amount of effort they have to put in it's more expensive for for, a, for someone who's disorganized to turn up to an interview on time so actually punctuality is a good signal in that situation is it I think it's fair to infer that uh, someone who's who's late to an interview is less likely to be organised. So you know, the, whereas signals that don't work, and I, into this category, I will put things like um, you know wearing a tie. Uh, it's just as easy for someone to put a tie on yeah, whether they're crap that, or whether yeah. they're good. Um, yeah. Except except if the signal, if if what you're trying to determine is somebody's willingness to conform to a a, a totally arbitrary set of standards. Uh, in which case, putting a tie on is quite a good one. If you want, if you want yes people, then then ask them to constrict the blood flow to their to their head yeah. <laughs> for, for no apparent reason, uh, and um, and you'll find out, you know. Um, 
Yeah, well, sorry, and I was just thinking this through. So essentially, we're talking about two things here, it sounds like, which is a question of signalling, um, and I guess connected um, is a question of conformity as well. You want someone who's not going to, you can kind of trust, and they're not going to go off and do something weird, right? Yeah, now, in a sense there, the signal is direct, is di- is what you're after. It's yeah. like, you're effectively saying, I want someone who understands signals and is easy and is able to make themselves, you know, look like a different kind of person to however they might be. Right. Now, bringing it back to this question, mm. what does that mean being boring? If we think um, of of professions or sectors where we consider it, it most um, important, you signal that you're um, um, trustworthy, then those do seem to be the more, more boring professions, let's say, or the more rigid ones. So let's think, think for example, um, um, the law, for example, where it's very important that you appear trustworthy. And I know... Uh, weren't you tr- didn't you train to be a lawyer or something? No, 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 didn't no. Didn't you do a law degree? Yeah, your, no, brother, your brother. brother did the his, law his degree, didn't he? His more successful brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's better looking. That rich, good-looking yeah. guy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, and, and it's really important that you wear a tie. And I, I, and I have a friend who's a lawyer, and he says, yeah, and they, all have to, they have to wear jackets at work. You're not allowed to put it on the back of your seat, et cetera. Um, and so that's at one end of the scale. Um, and similar um, with, let's say, banking as well. And if we go right to the other end of the scale, let's say, for example, something like IT, um, mm. where you ex- and, and it could even indeed be within a law firm. Um, it's quite kind of acceptable for those guys to wander around in Hawaiian shirts and shorts. Yeah, well, and so this on. is where and, we. Yeah. And I just just right, finish it off. Um, I probably those guys, those IT guys. Once you get under the geekiness of it, they're they're quite groovy. They're quite interesting. They're quite fun. They do seem less boring. So, being I, professional does mean being boring. Well, my my. It feels like sorry. It feels like you're hiding your personality. Sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, you. well, on. no, I was just going to say I, my definition of boring is probably slightly different. In that I, you know, I would find like you know these these um, startup battery farms that you that you get nowadays with you know exposed brick everywhere and multicolored chaise lounge and uh, uh, people lounging around and eating mm. little bowls of nuts. I find all of that boring. Right, mm. just as you know, in the eighties, having a ponytail and and braces and all of that kind of stuff was was boring. So so and the manu- I, and what I find most boring of all is manufactured eccentricity or or eccentricity to uh y- you know um to a predefined so model. It's kind uh, of so, affectations. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I so I think the definition of boring is the the uniformity of the cultural milieu right um but so what i think is interesting therefore is the um the ability of a organization to accept you know uh, eclectic ideas and styles and you know to have that disparity uh uh, and uh heterogeneous heterogeneous difference uh within within it um so so yes to me professionalism should be able to incorporate that range of different view so i think what you're talking about there is being is unoriginalness and kind of a fakeness yes being Um, basic yeah and just um um what's the word i'm looking for I, I just not actually really letting people be themselves. Um, which well, I think is different. Well, here we go. I, I don't this think is, it's necessarily... There's a, there's a key... There's an issue here, yeah. which I think is worth thinking about, um, which is... Uh, so, it's, there's two related questions. Firstly, 
all all you to conform in some sense right now there's sort of two arguments one is well uh you know yes because you've got to be realistic about the way the world works you know um you've got to you've got to dress smartly because people will take you more seriously and whether we like that or not that's just true right the alternative is to say well no that's just perpetuating kind of mendacity it's perpetuating the fact that we're all going around you know put with uh, using facades but the, the the issue is i mean are facades part of our true nature i mean i mean so you've got someone like robin hansen who's the who's really one of the big champions of sort of explaining a lot of human behavior with signaling uh would say that signaling is really fundamental to, to to the way we've evolved if you take something really uh you know something like um dating and you know having children with people i mean we're we're presenting a certain image of ourselves which we've we have evolved to care about things which are not the thing that uh evolutionarily you know is the thing we're looking for which is let's say genetic fitness we want genetic fitness what we have ended up looking for is signals which are to do with physical attractiveness and, and other kinds of you know un, things that are not directly related to genetic fitness but are sort of as it turns out you know it's it's harder uh if you're um for example if you've got a genetic disease it's harder for you to um to 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 sort of do the same things as um you know as someone who hasn't for example so th those the kinds of physical things that we think of as um as uh, attractiveness are are themselves signals and you know we is very hard for us to not signal uh what if your you know true personality is someone who likes conforming you know that then what's being yourself in a work context you know is being yourself um you know is there is there such a thing as yourself which doesn't involve essentially putting on a suit got you um we're close to wrapping up before we do, i've got a question i want to ask but before we do anything you want to finish off on um chris well i think i think this idea about um you know good and bad signals you know being in are they true indicators of of productivity and um you know it seems to me having worked in a range of work environments that most of the signals related to professionalism aren't very good indicators of how good somebody is at their job and yet they still survive why haven't they why haven't they been eroded as signals of of any any use i mean technology um, does does uh remove uh, signals quite easy i mean anything which changes the cost of that signal erodes it so you know you have um tanning for example is a great example often cited you know that in the uh you know a few hundred years ago only poor people were tanned yeah uh because they had to be outside and then you know 50 years ago only rich people were tanned um because uh poor people were all in factories and rich people could afford to go to the costa del sol and now uh there are tanning shops on every street corner and it's basically got zero value because anyone who wants to be tanned can be tanned um it's, uh, uh, so I mean, technology does eventually uh, get round to changing signals, and I think I think there are. Uh, you, you know, you look, look at uh, uh, certainly if you think about being able to measure performance of individuals and being able to track, uh, you know, how good um, someone is at their job. Jo jobs where that's easier, but for whatever reason, should there should be less signaling involved. You know, you it just it's it's not necessary if you can tell exactly how good someone yeah, is. Yeah, if there's a direct performance. Yeah, so yeah. so and I, and I think that might help explain some of the things like, you know, uh, if you're a coder, do does your code work? You know, that's something everyone will know. So it doesn't. You don't have to. If you're good, you don't need to. You know, dress 
dress like yeah. a certain thing. Um, but, you know, is how good is someone at sales or marketing? Probably much harder to tell because there's a lot more randomness in there, which is which might explain why those those things yeah. st- are still there. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I but I uh, I mean, I uh, one of the things that I've t- told my son is you shouldn't ever trust anyone with a full Windsor. Uh, not and I think that's that I that are still that whenever I meet anyone with a full Windsor I know I know what they're going to be like and they are always like that these are pearls of wisdom yeah um, you look we're, we're bringing four in hand not if they're not if they don't have a four in hand knot on their tie then they're trying too hard yeah I like they're that. trying to signal so I want to move just to finish off with a quick question um, can you give me an example of the least professional bit of behaviour you've ever witnessed in the workplace? Okay, um, I'm going to kick us off, so you have a think. Um, I can think of a couple. I once worked at this place where every Friday afternoon um, there was this lady with whom I worked. She would be completely drunk every every Friday afternoon, and she was almost literally like a loose cannon in the office in as much as she would be careening, careering, careening around the place, bouncing from one wall to another and um, veering between laughing and screaming and crying. And this was a number of years ago and she still works there. So she's managed to sort of keep going. So I always thought I just I thought that was not terribly professional. No. And I don't know how she got away with it. Well, there's an interesting fact about boozing. Right. I say this as someone who does like a drink. Um, that it turns out that people who, uh, let's say you go to the, if you're in a a social situation with a colleague, um, people who uh, actually like approve of drinking still uh, say that they have more respect for someone who doesn't when they're in a social situation. Someone who isn't drinking still garners, you know, more respect, even from people who themselves would you know prefer the company of people who um, don't drink? Mm. So that's a good example of you know something which it, it, I think we all. So I mean, I'd love I'd love it if every Friday everyone got pissed. If it was like Mad Men, you know, and it was perfectly acceptable, I think it'd be great. I think we'd all be a lot happier. Um, but uh, you know, given that it isn't, uh, I think someone who is sort of drunk at work is signalling that they have a self control issue. She definitely had self-control yeah. issues. Well, I think, yeah. yeah, alcoholism and professionalism are not easy bedfellows. Quite, I think. Uh, Chris. Uh, yeah, so mine relates to, uh, and I um, I mentioned that this uh, was a story about uh, a workplace before I worked at it, but it was a it was a legend that that came through to me. Okay, and you'll know why I mention that as I go through the story. Um, but uh, yeah, so basically. Uh, about a year before I started in a particular office, um, there were a series of events in this office where somebody, uh, the cleaners turned up in the morning and somebody had defecated (laughs) in a corridor or part of the office. This wasn't a school. Um, This was a part of the civil service. This was a proper place of work, yes. Um, And... um, And... They never got to the bottom. It was like the Zodiac Killer. They never got, they ne- to, the bottom they never got to the bottom of who the serial defecator was. Um, oh, it happened regularly? Well, it, I believe it happened sort of four or five times and some notices went round about, you know, sort of coded messages about, you know, um, 
<laughs> you know, inappropriate. Don't, don't do poos in the corridor. Don't do kind of thing. Corridor, yeah. It's, yeah. it's um, not an unreasonable but thing. To but, ask. but, you know, I started at this workplace, I'm being told about this story, and I, I, I would look around and think, is the serial defecator <laughs> still, still here? Um, and could they strike again at any moment? Might may there be copycat incidents yeah, or yeah, anything? Yeah. So yeah, that was probably the the least professional, but so kind of most intriguing, really. Um, uh, yeah. God, that's I'd love to know. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it'd be great to know who that was if you were working there. Um, Nick. Uh, well, I I've done lots of unprofessional things. I think looking back, including sort of, defecating. <laughs> yeah, there's this place. This guy I really didn't like, so I used to do a poo outside his his office. Um, it's funny. What are the chances there's two of them uh, on the loose? I don't know. Anyway, so, uh, but uh, yeah, things like, I remember being told off because I, I thought it would be funny in, in my really boring uh, place that I worked in in the civil service to um, to to make posters that were sort of making out that we were like a dot com. So I, I made all these, these cheesy sort of marketing style posters with, uh, you know, sort of uh, saying we're, we're here to service all your all your solution needs and stuff, you know, yeah. and um, and the boss told me to stop using stop using civil service computers for personal reasons. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm not because I, I I think the the problem is that, yeah I've got a bit of a problem about conformism mm. is that I don't I don't like it. I'm actively suspicious of it so um, so I'm I've yeah it's probably me who's done most of the unprofessional things. Okay. Humor is the weapon of the unarmed people. Right there we go. Nice nice sort of nice one to finish it off on. Um, okay, we'll stop there. Um, thank you very much as always to listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast I'm Fraser McGrewer I've been here with Nick Hare and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights until next time goodbye goodbye